I'm out wrong When I think I say I'm right It's hard to forget When there is nothing left on my mind I'm driving down this highway For the last time I've tried to decide All right, all right, my friends, I am back from another amazing trip out to Nashville, Tennessee. I was lucky enough to catch up with a few great friends and even convinced a couple of them to hop on the podcast. So my guest today, you may know from my band Wish and the Well, he's one of my favorite songwriters and Americana finger pickers. Please welcome the one and only Mr. Corey Liao. Sweet. In Nashville, Tennessee, my dude, Mr. Corey Liao. Hello there. <laughs> uh, I'm super stoked that you agreed to do this. For sure, man. I just showed up with one podcast actually scheduled and then just sprung it on everyone. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> um, so as many of you... We'll know Corey from back home. We played uh, Wish in the Well, relocated to Nashville. How long have you been here now? Um, a little over two years. Two years? Yeah. Can you actually choke up on the mic a little bit more or, yeah. or pull it forward, pull it into you? Yeah. There you go. Cool. Um, how long? A little over two years. Two years. Um, what does that transition kind of look like? Um, it's a different entirely different out here yeah and i'd only moved here i think i've been i've been here twice before i moved um and you know coming from southern california it's completely different yeah cultural world than the south you know um but it's been cool i've been kind of feeling like a fish out of water in a sense yeah of having you know basically starting over with everything but it's been cool to ex- have a ton of new experiences right um and just everything i enjoy the um there's a lot of wilderness out here it's pretty peaceful a lot of lakes and rivers yeah. and like um things are slower here which i definitely <laughs> like yeah um you know the the hustle in California is cool, and it, but it was nice to, you know, take a breather. Yeah, and uh, you're saying last night you t- you've been taking up fishing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. This year, really. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, what is it, Sportsman's, one day, and I tried to find the oldest guy in the store. <laughs> it was like, I don't know anything. Yeah. Can you help me out with a rod? And I'm like. What is like the bare minimum I need to yeah. have fun? Yeah. And he hooked me up. Well, it's funny too, is you like find the old guy because you know that they're going to be the most graceful too. For sure. Because it's like you go find like the some young like 
he's gonna be like, oh god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted the dude who's been fishing for fifty years. Yeah. It's like, all right, tried everything. Yeah. It's like this is what you need to do to start off. <sighs> How's that been working out? Oh, uh, pretty good. <laughs> it was funny, it was like, um, I didn't uh I fished maybe a couple times growing up, but yeah. I never accounted for um what I was gonna do after I caught the fish. Uh, I spent so much time trying to catch the fish, and then I caught it. I'm like, I don't even know what to do at this point. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, so I ended up catching this bass, and it was a pretty good one. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just flopping on the dock because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and luckily, no one was around because yeah. it, like, yeah, it dehooked itself on the dock. Oh, God. And I was looking at it, and I was like, I don't even know how to hold this thing. Yeah. And I eventually finagled it into a cooler. Yeah. And then I brought it back and I tried to fillet it and I fucked it up. Oh, God. <laughs> I completely messed the whole Trying thing up. Trying to gut it and do all that. It took forever. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That is always the part. Uh, I mean, I guess for people who don't like fish all the time, it's like the whole other side of it. Yeah. Is because, I mean, when I fish, it's pretty far and few between when I'm actually catching anything. Right. Um, and anytime I've been on a, like a ocean fishing boat, it's usually only about an hour before I end up seasick and I can't fish anymore. Right. And you're probably with somebody who knows what they're doing too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that helps. Um, I've, I've fished with a couple of people who know what they're doing. Yeah. And, uh, I have a buddy who's actually a, a fly fishing guide here. No way. Yeah, yeah. And I've been trying to like do a trade with him or, yeah. you know, trying to get him to take me out or just, I kind of poke his brain a little bit here and there yeah. without pushing it too much. Yeah. Trying to learn. That's definitely, uh, you know, we took our trip to, uh, Montana and Wyoming and all that. And I had someone kind of dial me in with a bunch of like fly fishing shit. Oh, that's cool. Um, although I didn't have waiters at the time. Mm. And, uh, so I was trying to like go like basically knee deep in freezing ass cold water and trying to figure out how to like fly fish. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this is, I, I mean, I like, it's, it feels more engaging to me than like sitting, waiting for something to snap on your bait or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun, but it's definitely a whole nother beast. For sure. I would love to do that one day. Yeah. The style of fishing I do too, is not so much with the bobber. Yeah. Um, I get kind of bored with that. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. Like so I of, like lure, yeah, I do a lot of lure stuff, a lot of jigs. Yeah. And, you know, kind of cast out and then slow reel back in. And yeah. it's just a lot more, you know, a lot more fun to do it that way. <laughs> yeah, I can't do the other way. Yeah. I see people do that when they're like cast out and they're just sitting in their chair, like reading. Well, they're yeah. like, wait, I'm just like, dude, what's the point of this? You're pretty much reading at that yeah. point, you know, <laughs> with a fishing pole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so, what else have you been doing out here? Um, You know, I do a lot of woodworking. Yeah, um, I love that. Um, that's what. You, so that's what you're doing for a living now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that full time, and music's kind of been part time. Yeah, lately. Um, I do like with with music. It's um, do a lot more fingerstyle stuff, a lot mm -hmm. more folky stuff, and just been kind of you know, I don't have a band out here. Yeah, as you know, you guys <laughs> all live in California. Um. And so just kind of taking advantage of that and playing by myself and just enjoying that yeah. and the stripped down yeah. uh, songwriting process. And um, and then woodworking has been, uh, it's always been a second passion of mine. Yeah. I remember even back home, you're always, yeah, always had something you're tinkering on. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, 
when it was time to to get a day job when I moved here instead of going directly back to the restaurants. I've always been a restaurant guy and mm-hmm. you know, I've wanted to get out of that industry for a long time. And so I just took a resume um directed towards woodworking. I looked up every wood shop in town. Yeah. And I just was determined to get one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I got um hooked up with a, a good company that they've been able to teach me a lot. I mean when I was back home I was doing it by myself and it was sort of in the in the same realm of fishing, you know, I'm like just trying to figure this out and yeah. I'll just make it work. And you know, I, I thought I had like a good amount of experience or not a good amount, but uh, I, I knew what I, what I was doing, sort of. You right, know, I thought right. I had a, at least a basis. Right, right. And when I got in with them, I'm like, I don't know anything. <laughs> like, there's... <laughs> you had to just completely, like, forget anything that you had taught yourself. Basically, yeah. yeah and just start from scratch. And, yeah. But it's been cool. They've been patient. And yeah, I love doing that. That's rad. Yeah. yeah we're actually sitting, you guys can't see it, but we're sitting at a gorgeous table he made. It looks like something that you'd buy for like $10,000 at Pottery Barn. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's been cool. That's been a, a passion of mine. I mean, we moved in here. We didn't really have anything. Yeah. And I wanted to make it. And That's so, right. I mean, it's been, I did the coffee table and even down to the, the spoons and spatulas over there. No way. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That's rad. Yeah. That's it's, like one of those things too. That's such like a, um, like that type of craft. And like learning that type of a trade mm-hmm. is like one of those things where it's like a lifetime. Like it never that business is never going away. Yeah, like people are always going to need uh, finished woodworking and and designer woodwork kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And it's to me it it's um it's sort of like um a different side of the creative coin. Yeah, you know it's it's um it's still things that. I get a lot of fulfillment out of, you yeah. know, just like music provides me. It's like this wood stuff is like equally fulfilling. It's yeah. cool. That's yeah. I mean, to be able to envision something and then, I mean, I guess in like anything else, like honing in the craft of being able to execute it, Yeah, you know, start to finish. Um, uh, do you have any like thoughts of branching out and doing it like on your own? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, this whole time of, been with this company it's um i'm very grateful for them but it's it's never been a permanent thing for me it's always just been a learning process and i'm trying to learn the business and yeah and then figure out how i can take maybe their model or maybe branch off into something a little bit different right and do it on my own kind of yeah kind of pinpoint it into the the aspects of it that you like the most yeah exactly or that you're find yourself the most efficient at and all of those things yeah Interesting, yeah. Yeah, That's so cool. yeah, so there's four different owners, and they each have a different um, sort of um, specialty. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to learn from all of them, and you know, just do the best I can while I'm there. And yeah. then, but just kind of know. So, what is it that you guys mostly do there? Mostly do um, custom cabinetry and some furniture. Yeah, but it's mostly uh, we'll do full houses, like yeah. bathroom vanities to full kitchens to anything doors and mantles and yeah everything but it's all very custom and um it's and they uh they specialize in the high-end stuff too yeah which is cool you know i was trying to you mentioned that you guys had done like a few different like big artists like houses and stuff like that where you guys were going in and kind of redoing their whole was it all new build like their homes were is it like 
or are you going in and replacing stuff that had been um for those jobs yeah it was um new build we new mostly build. do new build okay and it'll be anything from like a 8,000 square foot house to a 30,000 square foot house. Yeah. And, but we do sometimes where we have to um, work with existing um, walls or whatever, existing um, cabinetry and, yeah. and aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And so that, that part's really cool too, to take something that's already finished and then, you know, try to match it perfectly. Right. From yeah. Something unrelated. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. I remember I was doing woodworking for a while. Uh, not like super high end, but like, I mean, San Diego, like a lot of the stuff we were, we were doing were pretty significant homes mm-hmm. and stuff. And that would, it would always be the, that the part that I hated was when we were trying to match a style. Yeah. You know, they were very like picky on how they wanted it to be because it needed to match the rest of the house or, or kind of, but they wanted it to be a newer version of it, but not have it stand out or not have it seem like it didn't fit. Right. And that part is way more challenging than just going in yeah yeah, just to build something new yeah yeah yeah, absolutely that's a trip um and then but since you've been out here how's kind of like the music experience been like because i know that uh i mean it's nashville so everyone i think everyone's perception is that it's just like obviously it's like oh this is music mecca Mm -hmm. um but i know it's definitely a different world yeah out here kind of how's that experience been um yeah it's a lot different um there's a lot of the it's an industry town Mm -hmm. um so everybody's doing it you know (laughs) but a lot of people do they they don't necessarily play live out here all the time it's just sort of like a, a hub that they tour from yeah and um i've noticed that it's uh just in my personal experience, which, you know, might be sort of limited, but so far it's, it's more of like, this is a great place to, to record and write songs, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of, um, you're, you're developing the product here and then, and then you go play it. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, if you talk to people that a lot of people are always got their hands in something and, but it's a huge, um, heavy recording town too. Yeah. A lot of people are always working on, you know, a new record and what have you. Yeah. I find it's interesting. It's like anytime I go, like, um, I go to like the coffee shop kind of by where I'm staying and stuff like that. And you sit there and it's like, it feels like almost everyone who's there is, um, involved in some aspect Mm -hmm. of the music industry. And you're just hearing conversations about like, you know, like, oh, this person they're talking about working on, oh yeah, we're working on this mix for this song that we did. And or like other people are chatting about the co-write they're doing or yeah um it's kind of funny just that it's everywhere yeah and there's there's so many different aspects of it that i um i never even considered Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people just you know they just spend their time just putting guitar on songs yeah you know and that's what they do it's their nine to five it's just to go in and lay down whatever tracks and yeah you know and they may have never even heard the song before that's crazy. Yeah, it really is. Or, um, you know, whether they record or, you know, going to do, co-writing is definitely a big thing. Um, but that that's sort of a, um, you're kind of, it, you're planting a seed more than you are, you know, fulfilling like a nine to five. Yeah. Um, but I mean. But there is, there is people who have that as like a nine to five, isn't it? Like there's people totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that. Like totally. they show up 
and that's that's their office yeah is, uh, being in a room with four other people or three other people or whatever yeah for sure so that yeah there is that aspect of it um from the grassroots if you were just getting into yeah. it, it it starts off that way and then you know i typically what you'd like is to get a pub deal yeah and and then that would be you get you know a monthly stipend and yeah. you, you have to um you know write like 30 something songs a yeah. year basically yeah um but i mean they just schedule about five different co-writes a week and right hopefully you something something hits out of that yeah you kind of banking on the odds of that right like yeah. you'll write some duds and stuff like that but there'll be some how because you said you've done some co-writing kind mm -hmm. of stuff how's your experience been with that it's been cool um it's different i think like i feel like a lot of people outside of this industry are, are used to just writing on their own right like the idea of writing with someone else is like weird and that that's how mine was i wrote with a couple of buddies um growing up mm -hmm. every once in a while i'll find a close friend yeah. that we'll end up just driving with but it was never planned yeah and it was never something that i sought out and so to do a co-write was i had to step out completely of my comfort zone because hmm. i i haven't written anything with anybody else really um other than moving here it was years yeah i would just write by myself and so when i would do the co-write it was i was kind of stepping into the situation and mentally you know having this conversation about all right you need to keep an open mind mm -hmm. you know don't be too attached to things and yeah you know and just kind of like you're the new kid so like why don't you just you know say yes and just see what happens yeah um that was that sort of put me in a good mental state to do it because it was really surprising of just how you know sort of um i don't even know it's so practiced for these yeah. people, you know, like go in and it's like no attachment to yeah. it. And it's, they're just pros. Yeah. It's less inspired, more function. Totally. Kinda. Yeah. And, and so I had to let go a lot of my ideas and, you know, whether I had something written for a couple months and, you know, you get in there and it was kind of like my first co-write was with this guy who's really experienced. And so he, he was kind of like, all right, show me what you got. Mm-hmm. And so I had, you know, like three or four ideas and some of them were, you know, hatched out more than others. And so I just went through the list, mm -hmm. you know, and then he was just like, all right, what else you got? What else you got? And I played them all four and then he just like, all right, let's, let's start with this one. Let's mm -hmm. work on this. And we ended up writing a song in about an hour and a half. Yeah. And, you know, it was just cool to see his process of just like, yeah, completely dissect it and just. You know? How how was that though? Like having a situation where you have these songs that you had kind of been like, and then having someone now kind of inject themselves into that was the hardest part. Yeah, that was the biggest part of letting go of just okay, like you're in this situation to do this to make this song. Mm -hmm. Why not just like let him have it? You know, yeah. let him have it and give his own input and to see where it goes. You yeah. know, because my first instinct is like when everyone like has a different idea that I wasn't envisioning. it's like, no, I don't like that. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I end up liking it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like, it took a minute just to like, all right, let it settle for a second. It's like, no, that's cool. Yeah. Um, And then also too, it was just, it was a learning lesson of not to get too attached to songs. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't like, that's part of, you know, in their world, especially is just, you know, putting out a lot of songs and then choosing later, you know? Yeah. And just 
keep working on the next song instead of just you know honing in on yeah yeah the same you know three songs or whatever yeah yeah i mean it's funny is that with talking to different people like i feel like so many and so many people i've worked with like everyone seemingly has different processes Mm -hmm. when it comes to their writing thing You, you have people who are like when they come to do a record or something they're like they have 10 songs that they have just focused and grinded and grinded and like these are their 10 songs and you have mm-hmm. people who go and they'll do it and they're like i have 70 songs right and you're like let's figure it out between those yeah or or like i have these songs these are the songs you know? right um i've always been in that ladder yeah of just like you know i, I would always just work on the 10 yeah and then just like you know, get all the details worked out and the like, yeah. complete package, you know, and it was more of like, you can kind of still do that, but just keep going, you know? Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Uh, like, um, Hollander who I work with a lot, she's does the, like, she's just, I mean, she'll send me a song like every, seems like every day. Really? Yeah. Or not, at least an idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just always like, She's always filtering them out and just kind of flushing them out. And it's interesting because like she does that and, uh, and you'll see them, like she might send one and then maybe like a few songs later, you'll see one that was reminiscent of the other one, but now it's just a more, it's just, it's, she had this one idea and she let it go and maybe she took from that idea and now it expanded into a different idea and now it's a different song, you know, but based off of maybe a similar chord progression or maybe a melody that was there, but now it, it, she just kind of stole from that into this one mm-hmm. and it's kind of always flushing it out to kind of to see until all of a sudden you have one that's like, wow, I really, really like this one. Right. It's kind of an interesting approach. But, yeah. That's you know. cool. I feel like, um, I heard somewhere about Tom Waits Yeah, and he always, um, compared songs to jello molds. Jello molds. Yeah. He's just like, I just have these jello molds yeah. and you know, of different styles of songs. Yeah. And then he would, uh, the way he would write, it was just like, basically don't lose the flow yeah you know just write and just they're all placeholders yeah. like you can go back and edit later ah absolutely yeah it is funny too because it's there is a part of like the artist side that likes to romanticize like songwriting mm-hmm. and it's obviously it's always like weird for me to talk about this because i'm not really a songwriter but um but just in my experience in, in being around it enough but it's like becomes a thing where it's like you know, like we talked about, like kind of like I have to be inspired by it. Like I have to have something hit me, and then it has to be something that like I I I have to have a connection with the words, like otherwise. Versus like I I feel like kind of what you're talking about with practice that happens out here is it's more of just like a, it's like a, like a muscle, mm-hmm. almost that they're just like, oh no, like we're just writing to get words on the paper. Uh, it doesn't really matter if you yeah. feel it or not. It's like it's just about getting it out and. Yeah. It's kind of a different. Yeah, it is different. And then, but at the same time when they're, you know, you're, you're writing so much that the muscles exercise, you know? Yeah. And so when something does happen. You got the muscle to to execute it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so there's not like, I don't want to get the idea that every song is like, there's no passion and or or connection to anything that um, songwriters are writing out here, but because that's not the case at all. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's a mix of everything, you know, yeah. but, um, yeah, a lot of times I, th- I found it was cool too. There were certain times where I'd go in and, you know, to work on somebody else's song. 
Yeah. And, and that part was cool. And my approach with sort of with the whole co-write situation in general is just to, I just try to like spit out as many ideas as I can mm-hmm. and, and kind of let them filter it out, you know? Yeah. And just kind of see, I'll just spit out like five different ideas and four of them will be rejects and they'll take that one. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll kind of see where the song is going in a little bit, you know? I just develop the idea. Yeah. yeah. And I'll end up shooting out like 30 something ideas of lines, you know, yeah. that are, you know, 29 or rejects or whatever. But right. I'll just like, all right, let me just keep, at least I'll keep like fl- um, fanning the flame, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, how, like, are you, with the co-write stuff, is that something you're still doing? Because I, I know you, you mentioned like when you first got here, you were doing that. Is that something you're mm-hmm. still doing? Um, occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, not all the time. Um, yeah. I've done a couple uh, FaceTime yeah, oh, yeah. co-writes. Oh, yeah, because COVID, so it's like a different. Yeah, it's a little different. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, it's like I have to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, What's funny is like being at home, like COVID's so in your, I mean, like obviously it's, it's, they have regulations and stuff here, but it's just it is definitely different than home. Yeah, home and, and is, yeah, and definitely with everyone's got a different comfort level with the yeah. thing, you know. And yeah. So I try to respect that. Yeah. Um, so I've done a couple of FaceTime deals, and um, it's a little different. You know, it, it's it's a little more challenging for me. I think it's really cool because then you know you could potentially do co-writes with anywhere in the any, world. Yeah, yeah. anybody. Um, and for me, I get a little distracted, you know, when the, when the person's on the screen for, you know, I'm sitting there for a couple hours with this person on the screen, you know, and trying to write and I'm in, you know, the comforts of wherever, Yeah. you know, and I see that laundry's over there and you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus I would go into, when I would do them before, I would go into uh, a publishing house. And so it was a room dedicated to the, right to the task, you know? Yeah. It's like the idea of like people who have like struggled just working at home. Yeah. Which know, is definitely me. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. I yeah. <laughs> I see the dishes and I see the bed needs yeah. to be made and yeah. And then, yeah, for me, it's like, I'll, uh, you know, create that do list that doesn't need to be done <laughs> yeah. just to avoid writing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so silly. Oh, uh, that's funny. Dang. Um, but well, speaking of like the music stuff, um, I'd love to like hear about like your growing up and like finding your way into music because I know that you kind of went through a, a series of different kind of musical endeavors. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, playing with Graham and stuff like that back yeah. in the day. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Even before that, um, I was about twelve, and. I I don't even know what inspired me to want to get a guitar. I think a friend, maybe a classmate or something. Yeah. And I just showed up, um, told my parents one day, I was like, I want to get a guitar. I'm like, really? Yeah, we need to get a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I just kind of always just dove headfirst into things. And, yeah. you know, um, we ended up getting this little classical guitar and started learning and... It's funny because I, I grew up with uh, Dylan Casey, mm-hmm. um, and I've known him since the sixth grade. And I started guitar right before he did. Yeah. And so it was cool. Like, we kind of learned at the same time, and I would show him 
you know, a thing or two yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. And then like, man, he just quickly surpassed <laughs> me. Like he's just, he's on another world, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was right around that time. And then, um, and actually the first real band I was in with Graham was with, uh, with Dylan as no well. Way. Yeah. And yeah. he was in the early stages of it. No way. Yeah. So we ended up writing our first song together. Yeah. The three of us sitting at Dylan's house. Huh. And then Dylan, you know, he um, was doing other musical stuff, and and it ended up just being Graham and I. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we played punk rock music for years, and during that time, uh, high school, it was just like I thought I was going to play punk rock forever. <laughs> you know, I was just like, yeah. go fast, you yeah. know. Um, and it was cool. I played that style of music, played with that band probably till I was eighteen, mm-hmm. and then we sort of just disbanded you know but we got pretty far um did some california stuff um bought a tour van you know in high school and traveled up and down the coast it was pretty wild yeah um and then i was living in san francisco and i moved there when i was 17 Mm -hmm. and i just tested out of so all this was before 17 um i moved to san francisco when i was 17 yeah yeah so you guys were playing doing punk rock like oh prior yeah. To that. yeah that's funny yeah Dang. yeah we did the um man did the whole like music awards thing and, yeah and then um yeah would go up and we recorded the bass player he his brother lived with um one of the guys from rancid and so we had this connection into huh. the that punk rock world yeah and and so we you know and back then like man I think all of us just idolized those guys and they were definitely a direct influence on us. And, and so we had that connection. So we would go and we finished a record up in the Bay area mm-hmm. and it was this wild place that through, through that bass player's brother, um, he knew a guy who was an engineer at this place called, um, it was the recording plant. Mm-hmm. And it was where like, uh, the Rolling Stones did stuff like Rick James did stuff no uh, and like, um Metallica spent a year in there and then they lifted the the ceiling or something it was a wild place mm-hmm. um so we were there and just in awe of the whole time you know like what is this <laughs> um and 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 so everybody moved to San Francisco about a year later hmm. and then a year after that we sort of disbanded just being you know crazy and yeah. 18 years old and didn't know what to do <laughs> But um, then I played hardcore music after that. No Oh, shit. actually, I played it. Yeah, I played in this Motorhead style band, <laughs> and then I ended up playing lead guitar. I was always a lead guitar player. Mm-hmm. I never sang. Um, my voice was really bad. Like in the punk rock record, <laughs> like I sang backup vocals, yeah. and they put auto tune on my backup vocals <laughs> <laughs> on a punk rock record. <laughs> on a punk rock record. Oh, yeah, fuck. yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, I'd play lead guitar for people, huh. um, and you know. But I always wanted to be a singer, and it was sort of during that time where I moved out of San Francisco when I was about twenty, and I moved to Orange County for a while, and I sold my Marshall half stack, I sold my Telecaster, and I basically just had my acoustic guitar, hmm. um, not completely unlike the situation now. It's just like getting back to the acoustic a lot. And um, 
And so it sort of forced me to, you know, try to do it on my own mm-hmm. for the first time. And I, I mean, I, I started with singing, like I started with like hitting a note on the guitar and humming it because I couldn't hear it. Hmm. I couldn't hear like where my voice needed to be. And so it started with just humming the note, just to hear what that sounds like to be on key. Okay, yeah. And and then it just became learning different songs and trying to do it like that and Interesting. pissing off a lot of neighbors. <laughs> you know? But I was determined, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And um, and then that, that time of just having the acoustic guitar got me into other styles of music and away from punk rock a little bit. And it got me into more folk stuff and heavy into Delta blues. And for the first time I, I heard that music and I thought it was way tougher and way harder than any punk rock I was listening to. Yeah. I would hear songs with just a guy and a guitar or just clapping and it would give me chills. I'm like, this is, this is it. Like, yeah. and he doesn't have a band. He doesn't have anything. Um, and I chased that for a for a while, and it's sort of that's what started my my journey into you know country music and folk music mm-hmm. and everything. It's interesting how many people co- have like went that came from the punk rock mm-hmm. kind of phase, right? And then have found their way into like country music. Yeah, it's yeah, been an interesting uh, flow. Yeah, Jake was doing the same thing, yeah. and and Graham too. You know, yeah. Graham plays a bunch of country. Yeah. Um, I mean, but even look at like, you know, like Mike Ness, right. You know, like that, you know, going from social D and then, you know, obviously still doing social D, but like, as he started like going into his own thing, like right. even a lot of social D stuff started kind of at one point yeah, kind of going that route. Yeah. He's definitely has a lot of heavy country undertones and then yeah. with his solo records too. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. But it's, it's, I've always been fascinated with that. I, uh. It's sort of, I feel like a progression in a sense of like, it's like as you get older, you yeah. know, um, you know, the the punk rock is sort of like, you know, you're young and angsty and you got all yeah. this rage and then you kind of, the way I see it is like you get older and some of that, that passion is still there, but you're just kind of refining it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe like you don't need to be loud and fast to get your message across, right? you know, I just feel like musically as i get older i just slow down like i'm just <laughs> constantly slowing everything down yeah all of a sudden it's yeah by the time i'm 70 it's gonna be like 10 minute songs of <laughs> only ballads you know uh well it's funny it's, and i highly doubt my dad's gonna hear this but uh you know my dad i grew up you know my dad was a punk rocker my dad's only 20 years older you know than i am and so uh you know, I was born in 86 and, you know, my dad was 20 and he was like in the heavy in the punk rock scene in like right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, growing up, uh, later on when I moved in, moved with my, in with my dad, um, you know, around like fourth or fifth grade, it was like, that's just what was in the house. Like I didn't, there was no stones, there was no kiss, there was no like any of the like iconic dad bands you think of, it was just punk rock, all punk rock. That's know? awesome. And uh, so that's what I kind of grew up. That's why, yeah, it's foundation of my musical upbringing essentially. And, uh, but my dad always jokes cause you know, doing so much of what I do being in like the country vein. And it's, I think it's probably like 
the most disappointing aspects of my life. <laughs> <laughs> like all the time you'll talk about it. you be like, how the fuck did you end up doing country music? And, but it's interesting though. Cause, uh, you know, having that conversation with him, it, like from time to time, you know, I found that in that, you know, watching, like listening to Mike Ness or, um, like X, like X definitely had like this, some of their stuff had these weird undertones that were almost kind of like, not like almost like rockabilly ish Mm -hmm. kind of going into that, you know, or like, or even like how even in for like a lot of punk rockers, even like, like Neil Young ends up in there in that, you know? And so growing up on that was like probably the most country thing that was probably played in my household, but yeah hearing neil young and hearing his musically what was happening it was one of those things i just fell in love with like the tones you know or like the when i heard like a pedal steel and things like that and like trying to explain that to my dad it's like screaming at a wall yeah for sure it's like no i don't get the redneck shit (laughs) you're like just because country doesn't mean it has to be redneck yeah (laughs) i know it's crazy just the outside looking in you know once start getting into country um You start dissecting these songs, and they're like, yeah. "Man, it's like yeah. comparable to jazz on some of them." Some of them, yeah. You know, just they're well, sophisticated. You know, man. also too, like I, you know, I other conversation, you know, I have with my dad is looking at like some of the original like folk music. Mm-hmm. You know, like think about all like the protest, the folk protest songs. You know, or things like Bob Dylan stuff mm-hmm. like that, where it's like. Dude, that that was like the earliest form of punk rock for sure you know and that's like i mean and i venture to say that that's a lot of the early punk rock stuff had to have drawn some sort of inspirations from that approach of like using music as an avenue to have a message mm-hmm. you know and and uh and that's it's kind of funny too like the ability to dodge that side of it <laughs> right know, even still you're like what about this no <laughs> yeah we get kind of like wrapped on but in the in the era that we grew up in you know it's like that part is nostalgia yeah yeah i mean woody guthrie bob dylan all those guys yeah that was definitely punk rock yeah um but even the punk rock i mean with x like they have some rad melodies you know like they're not it's not just like hammering away right um and even like fear you're listening to fear Fear. that dude can sing yeah he's got a great voice yeah a bunch of that stuff man i was like uh man i was the other day i was listening to fire hose stuff like that one it's like so, yeah a bunch of those where they have like really rad like melodies and things that are happening that are like beyond what like the the traditional hardcore in your face just screaming and barely being able to play your instruments and yeah um yeah but you know what's funny is um x x is the reason why i even think i played decide like wanted to play music really like i've always i think like there's people that are i I mean it's it's not an abnormal thing but i think as a kid like there is a dynamic between like people who like as you were listening to music it just like did something extra for you like i had friends who like music didn't they didn't care anything they could just listen to the radio like they didn't really give a shit but music was always something that like had there was a bond in like listening to music, I list I would listen to music intentionally, and and uh and was in very in tune with what it would do to me, emotionally, you know things like that. So I was really connected listening to music. But um, I very I remember in particular X uh their record Live at the Whiskey a Go Go, hmm. and uh 
John Doe comes out in the very beginning of that, and he's like, welcome to the beautiful Sunset Strip in Hollywood, California at the Whiskey O'Go-Go. And then you just hear the crowd go ape shit, and then the drums kick in, and they fire in. And I remember, like, I just got chills thinking about it. I remember so distinctly in that moment, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, that's what I fucking want to do. And it was right around then that my dad had also, like, showed up with, like, a drum set from... I don't know, like a friend or something or neighborhood person or something like that. And this, and, uh, and I was like, Oh my God, like that was like all I wanted to do from that moment on. Really? Yeah. And what was cool is that, uh, much later, um, I had this band Goodnight Ravenswood and we were playing and we got hit up to go play the whiskey go, go. Right. And, uh, and I remember loading in and like I was, you know, got there early and was setting my drums up up there. And I was just remembering that moment of just being like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe I'm actually like, and granted, the Whiskey Go-Go, you know, in recent history isn't what it was then. Uh, but still, it was just that thing of just being like, this is like, that's, that's what I said I wanted to do and like to be able to be there. And like, I remember like that show, it was like the funnest, like one of the highlights. Because it was like, I was, I had, that's what I dreamed to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but. So I can I'll it's any time I hear that record, it's always like that for me. It has just like a pivotal that's cool iconic kind of record for me. You have any desire to do uh punk rock? Not really. That I'm, faded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean there's definitely a time I think like early on it was like that. It was like I mean, yeah, you play fast, play hard type thing, but um but also you know, and I always talk about this too, um like the way I approach music, again, like I always tapped more into what it did for me, like in connecting with music and which left me with little desire to want, like want to just play. Like I didn't ever, I never wanted to just like even playing drums. Like I only wanted to play drums to, with a band. Mm -hmm. I never like playing drums by myself did zero for me, which meant that I didn't like sit and practice and like to me, it was pointless. Mm -hmm. There was no like. It's not with you have if you play guitar. Like you can pick up your acoustic guitar and you can write a song. But for me, like playing drums on my own was there was had no value. So, um, but you know, obviously to play really fast and to do all that stuff, you had to put in a lot of work to learn to do that. Mm -hmm. And and so I don't. At a certain point, I just was like, that's not really what I want to like. That's not really what I want to do. Yeah, you know. And I've always just um, leaned more into well, and also like at that time really learning to play in the church which church music was is such an emotional like that's the whole point of it and that's really kind of where i learned to play was playing on how to facilitate a dynamic or how to facilitate a feeling yeah um and uh yeah so in that yeah the kind of the whole fast thing just kind of i don't know exited yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it definitely, and it's funny too, is even how much like over the years, like you said, like going slow, like things like that, like how, you know, like my, some of my favorite things to play are like the most simple, mm -hmm. um, just, but because they, they invoke such a pivotal feeling in certain songs, Yeah, you know, and just being able to have a four on the floor thing. And if it's done right on the right song, it can be the most powerful thing. Right. Uh, you know, when it takes a little skill 
Yeah. You know, but it's more the feeling, you know, being able to sit in it and, and make that feel a certain way. You know, it's funny is that when I was younger, I would get so bored with, mm. you know, the, the simple beat and the yeah. in the three chords or whatever. And now I just, you know, relish in it. I just love <laughs> it. I just find it's like, all right, how can I play these three chords the cleanest possible? Mm. And it becomes more of an exercise of like, of technique and just, you know, just let me just play in time, Mm -hmm. you know, and just make this clean. And I just, it's something about that of just, it doesn't need to be complicated. Yeah. You know, dude, that's funny you said that because the only time, like even still, like I don't really practice drums on my own often. I only time I'm doing that is if I'm having to learn a song. Mm-hmm. So I'm just playing to a song to learn the like the the dynamic changes or whatever. Uh, but the only time that I really do with that is something similar, like where I'll sit and I'm not playing. I'm but I'm I'm list, I'm like trying to I'm hitting a drum a certain way or a symbol, and I'm just I'll sit there for like it will seem like hours. And I'll like hit it with like a different part of the stick and a different thing and like try to like hone in like, okay, where, like, how do I get this sound? Mm-hmm. How do I get like, and so that way I can use it later to go, okay, I know, I know exactly how to hit that spot yeah. to get it, have that thing, you know, or like, uh, you know, even like the snare drum, I would do that where I'd be like, okay, like how can I get, how low can I get the stick? So that way it'll barely hit the rim and it'll have like this really, you know, stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Instead of learning like rudiments or something, I'm just like, how can I get it to have that one tone? So that way that beat, that that slow ballad 6-8 or whatever thing, but that one snare hit's just going to have the yeah. perfect attack, you know, or whatever, you know, it's getting nerd out on that. Yeah. And you have a great kit too. I've always loved your sound of like <sighs> your snare sounds and, yeah. uh, and your hi hats, just having <laughs> the, big, the this yeah. giant hi hats, <laughs> it's the best. Oh, uh, yeah. And just smacking the ride, you know. Instead of like played so many gigs with you, where you just no crash at all. Yeah. I'm just gonna smack the shit out of the ride and I, make it work. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, sometimes too, I play that big, huge, like twenty six inch. Yeah. Istanbul, and it would be like that. And I, but they loved it because people, you know, especially show up for a gig and like the sound guy or something like that would be looking at that thing. And he'd be like, oh, God, like, what is this guy? Like, this is going to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. You know, and then it'd be, but it's like, you're not beating the shit out of it. Totally. But it would be that thing because I was like, the way I would look at it was I'd look at this huge symbol. And I'd be like, dude, look at all this real estate. Because mm-hmm. everywhere you hit, it's going to have a different sound. Yeah, that's And true. so it'd be like, okay, I'm going to show up with two symbols. Well, I got to make sure that, like, if I'm going to do that, at least I'm going to have something that's versatile. So it's like. I can hit it a half dozen different ways. Yeah. You don't need to bring 50 symbols yeah. to the kit. Yeah. But also, yeah, also, I just don't want, I don't like carrying a bunch more shit. Yeah. I it's get, like slowly. I get that. That's the other part too. Like playing drums, you start off like with like all these toms and all these symbols. And over time, you start like slowly, like, okay, how, do, how can I do less? Yeah. Can I do less? Can I do less? I remember even at one point in time, we were doing stuff and I think I showed up and I was just like kick floor tom and like maybe like one symbol we did something for like something mellower mm-hmm. i know we were it was like one of those things like can i get away with doing this all the time yeah <laughs> i mean we did tons of shows where it was just even hi-hat and snare yeah and it's like all right what can you do with just this yeah you know yeah. Uh, I, f- I feel like that my whole life of like all right how can i just do less like <laughs> how can i just have less and like make more with less and mm-hmm. with everything um, you know, I used to drag around the the big basement 
Yeah. And I got rid of that thing. It's <laughs> like now I'm just all about, it's like, I'll show up to the gig with just the acoustic and plug into the PA and it's yeah. like way less to carry, you know, the pickup in there sounds great. Like yeah. quit messing with it. You know, yeah. you don't need all this extra stuff. Is that what, is that that? What guitar was that again? That was a Wahoo. A Wahoo. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got it. Um, I, I got it checked out by a few different people. And everybody's been pretty consistent. It's somewhere in the 30s. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually had a pretty f- funny story with that guitar. Yeah. So there was this um, this place called Buffalo Brothers mm-hmm. in Carlsbad. That was, uh, what was it, an old, um, the building was in like an old chicken um, manufacturing yeah. place or something yeah. like that. And um, man, that place was the mecca. I thought like, I thought the people who worked there were gods. I thought the thing was it was all divine, yeah. you know? And I would go, I was living in Orange County at the time and I would just drive down every week. And um, that was one of the guitars in there. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was drawn to that from the color. It was old, this really old dark mahogany. And um, and it was sort of at the time where I was like figuring out more folk and blues stuff. And But I still had a lot of like punk rock in me, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, and that guitar was smaller it was the body is unique i had to get a custom case made for it because i tried like four different cases and they're all either too small or too big and it's not quite a dreadnought but it's sort of like a mini jumbo and it's (laughs) yeah it's its own dimensions it's crazy and um but so it was sort of smaller than more traditional dreadnought style guitars but at the same time it was loud had this really good mid-range and it was it was really loud and I was always drawn to that. It was like I could play this louder than any other guitar on the wall. And but I couldn't afford it. Mm. Um, I think at the time it was like, I don't know. It was under a thousand, but it was like closer to a thousand bucks, you know. Yeah. And um so I sat there and I played it and I played it for years in the store. <laughs> <laughs> and um at that time, you know, Buffalo Brothers had this policy if you bought a guitar there, they would take it back as an upgrade. And give you, you know, full value or whatever. And um, and so I had this mini, uh, oh, this uh, this Taylor Big Baby, and that I played all the time, um, that I got there. Oh no way! Yeah, and so I was going to use that. And very um, right before that happened, I had a friend who was moving and gave me her guitar, hmm. and was like, "This thing is broken." It was another Big Baby. And really all it needed was this little $2 plastic saddle piece. Oh, God. And it played perfectly. <laughs> um, but I took the guitar, you know, like, I'll, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll figure something out. And then, you know, I fixed it up. And I brought both of those guitars in. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, let's make a deal. Like, <laughs> like you would see it and be here I've, for years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was like, I've been playing this guitar for two years. Like, can we make some sort of a deal? And he worked with me. I, yeah. You know, I traded both those in and gave him a couple hundred bucks or whatever mm-hmm. and I was able to take it and the thing about that one is um it's got no truss rod in it mm-hmm. and and so the neck is really fat and the action's like it plays really well for not having a truss rod but mm. you know it's not as dialed in as a new Taylor or Martin or anything like that yeah. so I've sort of had to uh, adapt my playing style to it instead <laughs> of yeah. the other way around yeah. you know well especially too when you think about that like you're you got it. You said at a time where you're still were like figuring that out too. Yeah. So it'd be it's interesting to think about how much just having that guitar 
probably just shaped the way you continued to learn totally play you know what i mean yeah for sure (laughs) it's been cool too because you know i'll I'll play some shows and you know if some if like a homie doesn't have a guitar or whatever Mm -hmm. he's like oh can i borrow this and i'm like sure and then they'll like after a song or two they're like you can have it back (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know what's funny though i think i remember hearing uh aaron uh fitz yeah uh if you guys don't know aaron fitzpatrick uh he's rap bass player plays with the jankies one of the homies uh but i i think i remember because I had been friends with him for years, and uh, he came to like one of our first shows, and I remember him afterwards being like, "Dude, do you know where he got that guitar?" And I was like, "I think he said he." And he kind of like finished the sentence, and he's like, "Dude, I was playing that guitar for years," and he's like, "And then I showed up, and it was just gone one day." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, it's so funny. Like, and then all, and then you, you happen to be the one that yeah. crushed his dream. <laughs> <laughs> so funny could have gone so such a different way yeah you could have been the one with the guitar yeah he's singing it out no <laughs> oh yeah. yeah that's funny yeah but um i recently this year actually um i ended up down tuning the guitar so now I, it's all in um d standard instead of e standard so is that basically just uh tuning it down a full yeah okay yeah all the Isn't strings that kind are... of like a nashville thing too they or it's like usually a half ha- step? yeah half yeah. step is what they do yeah. um and i probably could do a half step yeah um i notice a big difference with the the neck tension though hmm. so and it, it it loosens it right yeah so it loosens the tension and okay. so the the strings played a little bit closer to the neck sure um with uh with it down a full step i get a little bit of buzz occasionally mm. but i don't really mind yeah um but I, I ended up doing a full step because it was I could wrap my brain around that a little bit easier. Right, the transposing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. than doing it a half step, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, Francis Bloom, I think he plays a full full step down too. Oh, does he? Mm-hmm. I like it, man. Just yeah. playing those deep notes. Yeah. Getting when he's that. got a he's got like a really low voice. Yeah. His voice too. So I don't I don't know if it's one of those things where it helped him also for his singing mm. keys or whatever. But. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that where I could play a lot um, more stuff in G, you know, and mm-hmm. you're, you're really sonically you're hearing an F. Yeah. And that helps a lot with, you know, playing different things yeah. and experimenting. Remember you were talking to a drummer. That stuff just makes my head right. hurt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure. laughs> lower, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to sing lower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but... I know we went off on a side. We were talking about um, San Francisco, mm-hmm. moving to Orange County, mm-hmm. playing. Oh, right. Um, yeah, so I was playing in in Orange County, and I was sort of doing, I was doing like a, playing by myself, mm-hmm. and then I was doing a duo thing with a drummer. And I was playing electric for that and mm. just sort of doing like, you know, sort of like a white stripes, black yeah. keys type of thing. Yeah. And it's I was kind of like the go to when it's the guitar drummer thing. Yeah. It's you know, like there's not really a, another way to do it. Yeah. But that was all, you know, the progression into, you know, yeah. sort of what I'm doing now. And and it was like, you're still kind of one foot in in the punk rock and then one foot in in the blues and, yeah. you know, folk music. Yeah. Um, I was doing that for a while. And then I ended up going and finishing my undergrad in 
in Flagstaff, Arizona. And um, it's funny because I, I took the California proficiency test when I was 17. Hmm. I couldn't take the GED because I wasn't 18 at the time. Oh, no way. Yeah, so I had I had um, that proficiency test, and it works great in California if you want to transfer to schools. Hmm. But out of state, you have to take the GED. Hmm. And so I was 22 years old, already, you know, took a few classes at um, community college, you know, took two years at community college, yeah. ready to transfer as a junior in college. I was taking the GED test. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I was turning it in and she's like, are you sure you want to turn it in right now? It's like, it's only been like 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah. You know? I was like, yeah. I think we're okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, that's funny. So you had, did you have like your AA? Um, no, I you didn't, didn't even see so you just taking classes just basically to transfer, but yeah. And that yeah. was part of it too, is that, you know, uh, a couple things. I had friends that went to um, NAU mm-hmm. in Flagstaff, and I visited them and just loved that town and loved yeah. that area. And it was a pretty good school. And um, and so I was looking at that. And then simultaneously, um, in order for me to transfer within California, I needed to take a lot more classes. Mm. Um, and I just didn't want to do that. You know, yeah. I wanted to get moving on the yeah. undergrad. And so I was able to, you know, transfer to out of state mm-hmm. and start instead of, you know, having another year. Yeah. Um, but that was cool. And, and, uh, I was doing similar stuff in, in Flagstaff, uh, back to, it seems like every time I move, it just comes back to like being by myself again, Yeah, you know, which is cool. It's kind of like a, sort of like a musical, like, um, not a restart, but more of like, all right, let's strip everything away for a second and mm-hmm. like dissect everything, you know? And I was doing that and met some guys and ended up doing um, a hip-hop band, a live band hip-hop band. Uh, and uh, it was funny. We, I met up with this bass player, and then this dude, um, this dude was a rapper, mm-hmm. and he was the neighbor of the bass player, and we were doing stuff, and he disliked the sound, and sort of, it was sort of like a blues, like bluesy, jazzy hip-hop band. And um, he wanted to do stuff, and he's like, come play with me. So you guys were just jamming, and he happened to be a rapper, and he just, like, heard you guys? Yeah. And, and then he, he just was like, so that he's like, oh, can I rap over this? Basically, like, I want to do stuff, and yeah. it just synced up to where, like, I would play some of the riffs that I was doing on some of the songs I was writing, and then I would just sing hooks, like, mm. Down the Road oh, was yeah. a hip-hop song at first. Dude. And it was... Like only I had the the chorus of it, mm-hmm. right? And so when I ended up moving away from Flagstaff, I ended up writing all the verses and mm-hmm. making it, you know, a song. But yeah. at, in the beginning, it was just a hip hop tune. That's funny. Yeah, but it was funny. Like the first couple gigs we played, we opened up for Bone Thugs at the uh, this place called the Orpheum, and Whoa. then we did another one where we opened up on this huge. It was a big bill. Like I never, um, uh, we opened up for Little Kim. No way. Yeah, but it was a massive bill. You know, there's a yeah. lot of local acts supporting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was some of the weird. That's the, so like, funny. Yeah. That, well, it's funny too. It's actually when you think about how that works, because how much of hip hop like um, dives into samples mm-hmm. of like old shit, and so it's funny that like if you're playing the way you can play things that lean into some of the old blues riffs and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, essentially it's almost like being like a live sample. Right. You know, cause it's like you're the, the music behind it is kind of has this old style, you know, and then just adding that element over it. For sure. And, um, 
I mean, I was it was completely new to me. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea about you know other live hip hop bands. Yeah. Like the Roots, and I didn't. I've never listened to the Roots at that point. Mm. I had no idea. And I'm like, these guys are killing it. Like, <laughs> they're doing yeah, they're, yeah. They're shit. Oh, they're great. Yeah. You know. But it was one of those things where I was like, all right, let's just do this for a while. And so we'd have um, man, we would have a violinist sometimes. We'd have a. Uh, we had a keys player, mm. and I think we landed with a keys player and a Barry Sax player. No way. Yeah, it was like a six-piece ensemble. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Dang. It was really fun. That's rad. Yeah. Um, but then ended up, you know, moving back to California again um, and ended up in sort of a similar situation. You know, I had um, kind of – I already knew people at this point and wanted to do – this was probably like the the time where it was – more of the incarnation of what it is now you know of the the band with the pedal steel um guitar player style Mm -hmm. and i was playing with some guys in single mini and and um and did like a little ep four songs and um it was just lap steel guitar bass and drums Mm -hmm. and we were recorded with this dude um this old jamaican bass player named fully fullwood (laughs) And, uh, I mean, that dude, like, he used to play with Peter Tosh Shit. and Bob Marley. Yeah. Um, but mostly he was Peter Tosh's bass player. No way. Yeah. And that guy had, like, amazing stories. And yeah. he had just this home studio set up in San Clemente. And so we recorded there and just learned a lot from him. Was that him. the Jefferson Washington? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it was cool. And... So I did that, and I would play at a cafe in in Lucadia mm-hmm. for a while, and that's when um, Dylan and I started playing again together. And those days were really fun, man. Like I would play, I was hustling gigs in in San Diego, and just didn't know anybody. So I'd play for like a sandwich, you know, like <laughs> just give me a sandwich. And that place was the best because it was. On a Sunday morning from yeah. like nine thirty, the the time was like could be whatever I wanted it to be. Uh-huh. So I did it from about nine thirty to eleven thirty. Was that at Papagayo? No, that was, that was um Cafe Ipe oh, or okay. Coffee Coffee. Okay, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever one they are now. Yeah. Um, but it was right there on that patio, and they would give me you know coffee and donuts in the morning, and then a sandwich when I got done. Oh, you're like perfect. I'm like, this is great. This is two of my meals for the day. <laughs> yeah. And I just played for tips and just sold that EP yeah. out of a trunk. You know, I did that for and I played every Sunday probably for a good year and a half or two years before they stopped doing music on the patio. Huh. And um it started with just me for a while and then, you know, Dylan came by and then, you know, he asked if he could play. I'm like, Yeah, anybody, you know, and then we got Trevor. Yeah. Um playing bass so we ended up you know finishing it out with it doing a trio yeah um that was still one of my favorite gigs in san diego that's funny yeah those are cool yeah but um yeah i would hit up every i had a list i would just i'm a list maker really <laughs> and i'll just make with that i just made like i probably got rejected by like 95 out of 100 people yeah and i would just make a list of every venue in san diego and hit them all up i just did that until I got booked. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Even did, um, used to busk on the street too and um, go down to the pier in San Clemente and in Laguna Beach. Mm-hmm. And I went down with Steven 
uh, Steve McCrawl. Oh yeah. Um, we'd go down downtown, just be me and him, and I'd play guitar and he'd play banjo. Yeah. And I mean, if anybody uh, has never busked before, I recommend it because yeah. it's like it forces you into that situation where like you're playing for people that not only don't know who you are but don't want to see you yeah. play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People who did are not around, they're not there to be around music. Yeah, you're, you're infiltrating their yeah their agenda of whatever it is they're trying to get done in that moment. Right. Yeah, yeah you're definitely an inconvenience for these people. <laughs> and so, like, if you can captivate anybody, you yeah. know, that's a you know that's a victory. Ah, yeah, that's a great exercise. Yeah, for it's sure. A, it's like one of those later on, you know, when you're at a place where people are there to see you, how much easier is it to engage in that when you're like well at least i know these people here are here for me yeah right it makes it so much easier <laughs> uh, yeah that was a great place we'd go and play some you know some stuff uh we were working on and um that also is a great time to do that because people are walking by so you could play the same song almost over and over again to a different audience yeah you know and so you can really practice all the all this mm. new stuff and you know it's not you're not driving anybody crazy with that right. yeah that's rad. Uh, how long? So, how long was that before? Because I know that I got tied in with y'all on my birthday. Yeah, I remember uh, I had invited Stephen over. We had like a little birthday to put together thing that Megan had put together, and uh, and he's like, "Hey, I got a buddy that I've been doing music stuff. Like, uh, is it cool if he comes over too?" I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, that was a trip. Um, I think Nathan James was playing. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, yeah Megan had hired Nathan James to play, and then yeah. like I think I can't remember did I can't remember did I like set my drums up outside or something like that? I was just playing with them, or I can't remember. Yeah, like, yeah, you I played think something like that. It was kind of it was kind of awkward because it was like in our backyard, and then like everyone made me set my drums up, and I'm like, this is weird. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that was uh, that was right around that time. Yeah, so I talked to Stephen about starting something, and then he said he knew you, and I'm like, all right, let's let's meet this dude, <laughs> you know. And then, um, man, yeah, because Trevor was early on too, yeah. and then Dylan. Yep. Yeah. So well, I was already playing the with them. I, I already knew Stephen, and I knew Trevor. Right. Yeah, and then we played in my living room. Yeah. Yeah, I remember in that first practice, I'm like, all right, this is cool. Yeah, this that was is, super fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was right around that all that same time, mm -hmm. right when I think the um, I think I was still doing the copy copy gig with Trevor yeah. and and Dylan. But also, I think it was one of those things too where you guys had already booked a gig. Like when I came, oh right, yeah, you guys had booked a gig at like a, what was that place called? Peabody's. Peabody's, and yeah. you're like, hey, we got this gig at Peabody's, but I'd love to do it with a full band. And then, uh, and I remember you like sent me the music and i was like oh this is cool like this mm -hmm. sounds fun uh yeah so it was like one of those you had to like hustle to learn these songs i think it was that week yeah yeah it was cool um i mean steve or not steven but um but trevor and, and dylan already knew it but you yeah. and steven didn't know anything yeah. yeah i think we did one rehearsal maybe and we're just, we're just gonna go do this yeah thing. yeah <laughs> but i mean at that from that first rehearsal it was like when you know, you and Steven got in there. It was like exactly how it was supposed to be. It was like how I heard it in my head. Yeah. And I was playing with Trevor and Dylan and like, it's cool to play it that way. And then I heard 
you know, this live band version, mm-hmm. you know, and then when you guys sat in, I'm like, this is exactly <laughs> what I was imagining, you yeah. know? So yeah. it was pretty rad. But yeah, that was a interesting yeah. gig. You know? <laughs> it was. It, well, because I think we did that. I mean, I think we did one more because mm-hmm. we did that and they're like, hey, like they want like we're going to try and book here again or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think you're still doing it as Jefferson, Washington at the time. Yeah, right? that was before Wish. Yeah. And then we, I think, I can't remember how it, we ended up. I think we just started booking random things, and then you you would decide you're like I want to I want to transition this to be something else. Yeah, I wanted. I always sort of hated that name. Mm-hmm. Um, I had um, I made that name out of a bunch of different names, and then just had friends who were like, "Yeah, that sounds pretty cool." So I'm like, "All right, well, I don't have anything, so we're gonna go with that." Yeah. But then after a while, I'm like, "Man, I really don't like this thing, so like, yeah. I don't want to end up." Being Jefferson Washington forever, you know. <laughs> I guess so, it was kind of at that moment we were like, if it was gonna, if it was gonna happen, it had to happen then. Yeah. So we had just like expanded into like a full band. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this is a perfect chance yeah. to just switch it up. And um, yeah. So I remember uh, you had thrown like I don't know. You just kept texting me like a list yeah. of different names. <laughs> I'm like, I saw that one. I was like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be that. It was kind of funny to wish and the well, and it was always like, oh, wishing well? Yeah, wishing well, wishing the well, wish you well. Yeah, the wishing well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you to pr- yeah, practice your pronunciation every time you tell yeah, somebody super new. super slow. Yeah. Oh, what's the name of your band? Wish and the well. Yeah. Oh, okay, wishing well. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Good luck. It's like, uh, you know, when you say your, your phone number like four times oh, in a voicemail. Yeah. It's like that same thing of like... It's wish and the well. If you look up wish and the well, yeah, <laughs> end up just yeah. throwing it in. <laughs> How many times? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but well, we hit the ground running pretty hard. Yeah, that. that was fun. That was really fun. Um, yeah, definitely. Like it felt like it. Everything kind of evolved with that project in the most organic way. Yeah, we definitely. Um, I would say we weren't like. Uh, we did a lot of rehearsals. We were definitely practice, but I wouldn't say we were a practice band by any means. Like, yeah. We definitely played and learned with gigs Yeah, and just playing shows. And well, we did a lot of, uh, which is cool, is we did a lot of working gigs, Yeah, which was, I think at that time too, I'm trying to remember exactly, because this is right around the same time that, so I had taken a break from playing music, and this is right around the same time that Shane Hall had kind of quote unquote brought me out of retirement. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just started like playing a few gigs with him and that was kind of the whole working gig was kind of new to me Mm -hmm. because everything I was doing prior to that was like, it's a, it's like, you know, well, obviously prior doing church gigs and then it was like, these are bands. We have a show and this is our show and this is our set. And that's what we do. It wasn't like covers and it wasn't like this thing. And so I had started doing a little bit of these kind of working gigs slightly with Shane. And I know, and then when we started, we, we dove into being a band that had like, these are our songs, these are our sound, we have a set. And then, but we also were like, let's also go do all these working gigs, mm-hmm. which is cool. Cause that's where I feel like we really developed a sound yeah. in that because we were just hashing things out. Right. You we know? were forced into it. Yeah. And I mean, we played the first few of them. We're like, we do not have enough songs to yeah. fill this time. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, 
another guitar solo or like yeah, you know, yeah. or like the first set didn't go so well so like, like let's uh, go back and redo those songs yeah, in the third yeah, set and just yeah. hope that no one else was here yeah yeah but that was killer we got to do some we got to do some fun stuff yeah it was definitely fun yeah. um and then uh, what's cool is that i was thinking about um uh when was that i mean wasn't was it i don't think it oh it was last year ish and you came out yeah and we, was that last year or was it two years ago i even know now no it was last year yeah. i think we had a i think we played a few times last year yeah i know this year has been feels like it's never ending you know i know this year like of my the, life yeah i know it's like i don't really know the time stamp is fun yeah like I have a couple periods in my life where I just kind of like some heavy things happen and you just kind of like block them out. And so <laughs> yeah. like when someone asks you about like, oh, when was that? And you're trying to figure out and you realize that you just blocked, like you skipped over three years. Right. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. so they're like, that can't be right. And you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then you're like, oh yeah, I forgot these three years that I just blocked out of my brain. Right. You know, to forget like, like that doesn't work in a timeline. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool. That was just like riding a bike, you know. I felt yeah, I felt good to play, and we even did a, a strip down deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some I saw somewhere in San Clemente. We did that. Yeah, the cellar. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I hope we can do that again. I know. <laughs> Maybe. Just gotta get the band out here. Yeah, I mean, after this thing settles down, yeah. if it ever does, yeah, you know, if it ever does. It's hard to tell. Yeah love to come back out there and play with you guys how uh speaking of that how is like how's it been navigating a lot of, like the covid stuff out here um as far as in life or just in general yeah, yeah. i mean i mean like what's the I, I mean california is such a different place yeah i mean it's um it's definitely not as regulated as california by any means you know yeah. so and I haven't been back to California since pre-COVID. Yeah. So I really don't know what out there is like. Um, it's hard to say. It's such a mixed bag, yeah. you know. And I've, I've got friends and that are in different levels of affectedness, you know. Um, but for us, um, I mean, Morgan's had to work from home. Mm -hmm. And so she no longer goes to the museum. But, I mean, she does graphic design, so... Yeah. What museum is it she was working at again? The Country Music Hall of Fame. Country Music Hall of Fame. That's yeah. right. That's super cool. Yeah, and and they um I think they're they're shutting down again. But they when they shut down, everybody had to work from home mm -hmm. and I mean she does graphic design, so it's on the computer anyway. And for her, she loves it. Yeah. She loves working from home. She does not want to go back to the office. <laughs> yeah. And she's able to handle her stuff. And for me, I'm I'm not that way. You yeah. know, I I think I would go crazy after a while working from home. And yeah. luckily, doing what I do, um, I'm in a, a big wood shop. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not close to each other. I have, like, my own, you know, 700, 800 square foot area that's mine. Yeah. And so I – and we haven't stopped working this whole time. And we're – it's kind of like we're kind of umbrellaed into the uh, essential. Yeah. Um, You know – we're construction sort of. Yeah. We're very non essential, you yeah, know, yeah. Workers, but I mean There's no reason why you guys shouldn't be able to continue. Yeah, but under yeah, 
under our our roof it's really easy there's only seven of us yeah. and it's something like we have like over four thousand square feet for yeah. seven people yeah. you know um yeah so we i i've just been continued to work and so i just go in and even when it was a lockdown situation it was just like you know i go in at six in the morning and yeah. i work and i just come home and you know we're just kind of homebodies yeah um we kind of do that anyway a little bit like yeah I mean, yeah. sometimes like I'm in bed at seven, <laughs> asleep by like nine, <laughs> eight thirty nine. Yeah, up at five, yeah. you know. Um, so it, it's kind of, uh, but this whole time it's just been kind of like it forces me to you know reevaluate things, mm-hmm. you know, and like what are my priorities and what are like what do I enjoy and what do you know like yeah. what's necessary or not and um. This sort of, uh, and it forces you to like be with your own thoughts in a sense, you know, like, I mean, I cut out the social media. Pre- oh, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Um, Pre-COVID, so nothing against anybody. I didn't, uh, I didn't block anybody. Yeah. Well, you're, well just, you know, it's funny as we were talking about like how much you dodged. Yeah. Like between like COVID and all the other stuff that's been going on. It's like, dude, you just are like... You, it's like I I can't even imagine how much how many things have been socially flying all over the place that you just are completely unaware of in the best of ways. Yeah, I'm pretty grateful for that. <laughs> you know, I really don't pay much attention to the news. Yeah. Um, I feel like if it's um, you know, and you know, everybody has a different perspective on that, but for me, it, it sort of works, and I feel like there's a certain level of being informed, and where it's debilitating and mm-hmm. it's, you know there's a, a fine line between yeah. that of like being overly consumed with it and then also being informed and so for me it just works a little bit better of you know trying to step back and occasionally if something's really important i'll hear about it and then i'll sort of look at into it yeah but I, it's not something that i just keep up with on a regular basis um and sort of that aspect of it i feel like has sort of diluted the covid um mm-hmm. aspect because i'm not engaged on it online all the time and so for me you're just doing what you were doing anyway yeah like i'm just living my life and yeah i've I've got to wear a mask and do all these things but it's sort of ease the fear aspect of it because i'm not getting you know force-fed all this stuff about it right you know so like i'm just going to work and it's fine Mm -hmm. and i go home and it's fine yeah and then i go out into you know i've been gardening a lot (laughs) and like getting into I made like five different garden beds out there. I've yeah. got um right now I've got onions and garlic. I've got like thirty bulbs of each. No way. Yeah. yeah I'll show you when Dang. we get done. And um still have some kale and mint and yeah. all this That's stuff. Rad. Yeah. But that part is, you know, sort of getting into these isolated activities that <laughs> are yeah. It's like a practice of um, you know, keeping my mental thoughts you know being okay with uh with just my thoughts you know and fishing sort of like that too where um when i go fishing i try i end up putting my uh my pods in and listening to a podcast Mm -hmm. but for a while i try not to do that i try to just you know keep it in the car or just be out there yeah with just my thoughts and just nature and engaged in it yeah and being that moment of like being okay with like nothing you know and it's hard it's It's so hard i would say that like you know doing something like you know taking yourself completely off social media just 
makes it that much easier. Yeah. Because there is something to be said that like, you know, um, like you even mentioned, you know, when we talked uh, yesterday, you're talking about like that when you first got rid of it, the first week of like grabbing your phone mm-hmm. and like, why is my, why am I looking like, why am I opening my phone? Right. You know, it's not like I got a text message or yeah. something, you know, I just this thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so even when like you're not looking at your phone, you're still in, your brain's still processing and engaging because you were just looking at your phone 10 minutes ago and there's this, and, and something that was happening there. I saw someone, or I saw this thing and I'm thinking about all these, you know, things that don't even pertain to what, what I'm doing or where I'm at. And uh, so that the freedom that I'm sure that comes from not having those things kind of direct your, your kind of mental flow mm-hmm. is that you're just kind of, it's all about what is and isn't in front of you, you know, or right. is, is directly in front of you in the moment. Right. And it, yeah. And um, I'm not so concerned with what everybody else is doing, yeah. you know, like, you know, as as much as people like online for me, it's like I am stoked for everybody, but at the same time, like there's always that line of like, God damn it, like comparing yourself to other people. Yeah, yeah. That's really hard to navigate, you know. Yeah. And and for me, it was it was sort of like I need to step out of that and just mm-hmm. like just worry about what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and it, it makes it a lot easier when, especially now, given some time, it was like withdrawing from a drug, you know. And there are aspects of it that I miss, yeah. like being able to to keep up to date with like homies like you and like yeah. all the other guys playing, um, playing music, mm-hmm. you know, it would be awesome to see like what you guys are up to on a regular basis. Yeah. You're like, I miss that, you know? Yeah. But I could always call you, you know, 100%, like, yeah. you're like, we just yeah. chat on the phone, you know what yeah. I mean? And, um, that that aspect of it or just like finding some information i have found that without instagram and and facebook of like whether companies are doing promos or something like that and it's it's really not that big of a deal but there is a disconnect from certain being up to date with things yeah but i'm completely willing to sacrifice all of that for just the well-being of just like being in this moment and just you know worrying about what's right in front of me yeah that's great i a lot of respect for that. I wish I could. <laughs> and I mean, it's nothing yeah. against like, yeah, like if it works for other people, that's cool. Yeah. I just found like well, it was think, a user thing more yeah. than it was anything else. Like yeah. I didn't like the way it made me feel, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of science that supports that. Yeah. Like you mentioned it being like, it felt like it was a drug. I mean, there is a, there's a dopamine release. Right. That I mean, that's why these apps are designed the way they are. Yeah. You know, they have teams of people that, like that is their job is to keep you engaging in it, mm-hmm. you know, like the development of like the like feature and those things so that it pops up on your phone and what that does to you when, you know, Oh, when I post this thing and so-and-so liked it and this person commented, it, I wonder yeah. how many likes, like all those things, like that's all done for a reason. And it's because of the way we're wired as humans. Right. And it's so like that, I mean that it, it's very purposeful, totally. you know, and it's ability to kind of control that. Uh, so not having to even have that be a thing is like, yeah, it, but it's hard. Like, you know, obviously that kind of goes into like different, you know, where you at, where you're at currently for just like your general life choice of like the, the way you're wanting to live, mm-hmm. you know? And, and like you said, like being someone who's mostly, you know, I work and I go home and I can have the freedom to do things I want to do. But a lot of what you're doing doesn't involve 
any need to be on a social media platform. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. It's and- a, but I was going to say, it's because it's hard because in my head I think about that. I love that. And it's like, it's so hard with like my wife and I, because like Megan, she struggles that too. And uh, I go on and off sometimes. Like I, like I have taken Facebook on and off of my phone mm-hmm. where I have, because like owning a business, like social media is such an integral part of our business. And right. in order for me to run my businesses properly, I need to be on social media. And so like the trying to navigate the self-control of like, it's like harder like, how do I not take the drug that's on the table, mm-hmm. you know, versus like, I've just gotten rid of all the drugs. Right. You know, that type of a thing. Or limiting it to or, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I only do it from this Yeah, time, yeah. You know? I only do drugs on the weekends, you know, right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, yeah, for, for running a business, it's it's completely different, you yeah. know, but I, I could see that struggle. And, you know, for me, it's like doing activities, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, Am I doing this because I enjoy it or am I doing this because I want to make a post about how yeah. I'm doing this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's nice to just take that off the table completely. Yeah. And just go out and just, and I take, I find myself taking photos now and just, yeah. I'll take photos on my phone and, and just for me, you know, yeah. just cause I enjoy this photo, you know? Yeah. With no other motive. Yeah. No thought of like, yeah, yeah. that is funny. Cause that is the kind of a total thing is. I was kind of laughing because I was down um, uh, in Broadway yesterday and I was watching Jake play at Johnny Cash's and uh, I was sitting there and I kind of from where I was sitting, I could see out the door and I could see from my perspective, I could see the door entry to um, Florida Georgia Lines bar. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's like I see these group of girls walk up and they're staying there and you could tell that like one, like she's she wants to get a photo in front of the thing and she's trying to navigate like but she also is aware she's aware that like she's kind of looking because she like wants to have this pose or whatever but she also doesn't want to be caught by anyone yeah seeing yeah her do that but little does she know that like i have this direct view <laughs> like she can't see me but i can direct view see you know and i'm watching her try to not be caught you know taking this very vain kind of selfie like having her friend take it and then like watching like them her look at it and then like have her like retake it and so she can like reposition and fix the thing you know and it's like and the understanding that the only reason you're doing this is so that you can put it on social media Mm -hmm. it's not it's not like you did this you didn't you wouldn't do all that to send that to like your mom right or to a homie yeah to be like oh yeah like we're at this place i just wanted to send you this thing like you're literally just doing it because you're just trying to gain, create a perception right on, you know, um, which is, I mean, even saying that, like, I'm, I will say that, yeah, you're not going to find me asking someone to take a photo of me in front of like this cute wall a half dozen times mm-hmm. trying to get a pose. Right. But even saying that, like in the way that, you know, Instagram operates, like, you know, like in creating a brand, like it has an image. And so I am like, oh yeah, I do find myself posting things that are of a certain nature or totally. photos of like, you know, oh, this, these people got this, got this really rad photo of me playing drums. And like, that's, I want that to be the perception that's on my thing. Right. You know, and it's like, fuck, you know? Yeah. I found the same thing. I was spend like, it's like an hour flew by. Yeah. It's like, I'm still on this post. Like, yeah. What, what do I say? Like, yeah, exactly. How like, am I going to, how do I word this? Right. And, you know, I'm not saying that, like, 
everybody's like that, you know, but yeah. I, I was like that. Yeah. And I, I just, I couldn't I mean, do by it and large, it's, it's kind of, it's different, it's different variations of it. Some yeah. of them are more like the vanity is more in your face, you know, and it's a little bit more silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other ones are a little more like hidden and tucked away, but it's all the yeah, same shit. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But, I'm, it's been even like doing like this podcast, you know, like, even like my personal Instagram has on it. Well, I will say that doing the podcast has almost adjusted the way that I use uh, my Insta- personal Instagram now, because mm-hmm. my personal Instagram is almost just actually turned into being a thing about this podcast. Right. So there's not as much like I have, I kind of have it designed where like I have like a, um, you know, just from a branding standpoint and treating it like a business almost like, I have like a thing where it's like, okay, I have a post that'll be like a, like the cover of the podcast. And I have another post that'll be like a video clip or something. And then I have like one post that might be, that's going to be something more personal. Mm-hmm. Dude, even that just being like, okay, like only every third post, I have to put something that's like a personal thing, you know? And it's like, it's so, I feel so free that it's only every third post. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel you. uh, (laughs) It's so stupid. Yeah. But this is all part of it. Yeah. I mean, the phone is just addicting in general. Like, sometimes I'll just, like, pick it up and just, like, obsess with the weather. You know, so I'll just find a different app to, like, Yeah. what's the weather going to be like at 10 o'clock? Yeah. Three weeks from now. Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, on the weather app. Yeah. Dude, there's so many things, man. It's so, like, oh, I get so bummed. Uh, Like, every week you'll get, like, the update. And it'll be like your screen time. Yeah. And you're like, and it'll be like, oh, your average screen time for this last week was six hours and 31 minutes. And you're just like, a day? Yeah. You're like, holy shit. And it's like, dude, so much of our world just lives yeah. in this thing. And it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. and, but, and I, I say that, but that's not all bad either. You not know at all. I mean? It's like one of those things where it's like, it also has changed because how much like workflow things like, yeah, it's six and a half, whatever. And it's like, well, that's also means because three hours a day of work I would have spent behind a laptop mm-hmm. that you would have traditionally had to have done, like has now transitioned to being it's in my pocket. Totally. And me instead of being at trapped behind a desk for six hours to be able to do that three hours, it's like, well, I just to take it with me everywhere. Right. So everywhere I go, I can be doing those things yeah you know so it's not all bad but it's not definitely it's definitely a lot of it well i mean just the you know the ability to have all these different apps that do so many so different much. things like, yeah it's so enabling i mean i having the map uh function Dude, where you're just yeah. like you don't have to pull out when we first did tours yeah in, um that band with graham mislet citizen yeah we pulled out paper maps and would like look at different routes through california and yep. like trying to navigate northern california and just having that on your phone yeah is in and itself Dude, even that like routing like so we when even you mentioned that we used an app when we took our trip basically like around the country essentially like well the whole western side of the country uh we used a map that um it basically is like uh you put in like what are the what are the places you want to go so you, Mm -hmm. you you just start listing off all the places and you'll put what is the average gas mileage that your vehicle gets? Okay. And how, how many hours do you want to drive a day? Mm-hmm. And so you put all the information in, you go boop, and it will 
basically route the entire trip. Really? And it'll tell you, okay, so this, to, in order to hit these spots, these are what you should do. And then it'll have marks at different spots to say, this is where you should look for somewhere to stay. And then this is like somewhere in this area. Look for somewhere to stay here. Look for somewhere to stay there. And uh, if you guys are listening to this and you're wondering, it's called The Dirt. Um, the and dirt. It's, it's specifically for like, uh, it has like an overlay for like BLM land. So, cool. um, so you can put the overlay on and you can see now, okay, well, here's where BLM land is. I can go stay or camp. And, and it has like integrated, all the campsites are basically, so you take an area and I can just zoom in and you can see all of the campsites in that area That's and it'll cool. have their own little profile. So you can go in and book right through there. And then once you, you, you'll basically save that spot. And so now it'll, it'll change that little dot where it says, oh, you should stay around here. It'll make it that spot. And it'll basically map you to that spot, and then it'll map you to the next spot. And uh, it's pretty crazy. And That's so it'll cool. tell you, like, okay, you're going to be four and a half hours between, you know, here and your spot tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it's pretty trip. Dude, technology is insane. Yeah, it's wonderful. And, I mean, just with social media, too, I mean, it creates a – it can create a very nice sense of community. Yeah. You know, which is – I think important for people yeah, finding, in general. That, finding that less and less though on these things that were like meant for community. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, Facebook and Instagram, like they could be the dopest thing to just honestly, just in the most basic level, just being connected with people, which right. is what they were initially kind of around. And it's just become a yeah. shit I mean, fire just, version of that. We're humans and we have yeah. different personalities. Yeah. We get in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like anything else. It's like attention arbitrage. It's like, again, it goes back to that thing is it's like attention and time is a commodity Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's what's being sold essentially, you know, on these things. I mean, in general, I find myself having this conversation, like an internal conversation with time, you know, Mm -hmm. and with everything really, it's like, how much time do I want to uh, a lot for this particular thing or even down to like how much time is this decision worth mm-hmm. you know and if it's important you know maybe i need to spend a day on it but like if it's just deciding dinner it's like all right i'm gonna spend five minutes max right. deciding on what i'm gonna yeah. eat for dinner you know like this is not that important you know <laughs> yeah, what i mean yeah and it's funny when before i would break it down it's like sometimes i'd get wrapped up and i was like i spent half an hour you know, right. deciding on something that's not important at all. Yeah. And now I'm too hungry and now I'm going to eat this shit thing when I probably was in a better mindset earlier yeah. to pick something that was going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so hard when you're hungry to, to figure it out. Oh, it all God, sounds good. Story of my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Well, that's cool to hear. I like, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I envy it to some degree. Some of those were like even just talking about it, I think about like, man, that sounds awesome. Yeah. There's no reason that like, you know, me or people that are in my position where you still have to have some sort of viability on there, um, that you can't still make the effort to be more disciplined to control and create. Honestly, that's the other side of it too. Like going to that. Like, okay, well, can I make can I make days mm-hmm. that are like, you know, I'm going to, I will only allow myself to be engaged on these things during these days. Right. These days, I'm, they're off, you know, or or maybe I turn, you know, or maybe you turn your phone off or, Mm -hmm. you know, shit like that. But it's just discipline. Yeah. I haven't gotten to that point of turning my phone off, but 
want to do that where you yeah. even you know take saturday or sunday or whatever yeah. it's like all right saturday i'm turning the phone off talk to everybody on sunday yeah you know yeah be interesting yeah <laughs> so hard to do yeah so how are you uh i mean you guys got a really dope house out here thank you how is uh how are you like just liking just living in nashville compared to um i love it man yeah well yeah definitely uh i love it just slower yeah a lot slower um i like that aspect about it a lot yeah um i could even to take it further i mean we've talked about even getting further into the country or mm -hmm. you know finding some somewhere a little bit more rural um with just more space yeah you know and that's one thing out here and it doesn't necessarily need to be in tennessee but this region when you get away from the coast like you can expand out you know yeah. and there's a lot more land and um I mean, I definitely miss people back there, um, and you know, my family's back there, of course, and it would be awesome to see them more in the mm -hmm. ocean. Yeah, um, that's one thing I didn't take. Uh, I took sort of for granted. Yeah, and I was never. I mean, we would surf and stuff like that, but I would never spend that much time at the ocean. I wasn't there every day. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but just having it right there is, brings some sort of comfort, you know, yeah. where it's no longer there. And that, that was something I noticed. Um, it's sort of uh, gone away now. But in the beginning, it was sort of like not having that there and just being landlocked was mm -hmm. a, sort of a weird feeling, you know? Yeah, it's interesting how much like it's, you know, being out here every time I go somewhere away from the ocean, I realize how pivotal the ocean is and even just being like a navigational thing. That was everything, the biggest thing. Everything is in relation to the direction of the ocean. Right. Kind of. So you come out here and you just kind of are like, I don't know what, I don't know. I feel like I just am lost all the time. Yeah. Because at home, it's like you can, even when you're not right by the ocean, you still always kind of know the direction of where the ocean is. Right. You always and, know where west is. Yeah. And yeah. so it just always feels like, because it's just the way the air is. You can look in the sky and you can tell that like, just based on how the way the like the density of the air is and stuff like that. Okay. Oh yeah. The ocean's right over there. It's like. You know, and so it is definitely interesting being out here. Right. But, you know, we we live like right off, right up, like a couple blocks up off the beach, and we walk the dogs down there every day. Um, but like, I don't. I go through phases where I was surfing like twice a day, and then, you know, and then I and in those phases, because you know, we're always talking about moving out here. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny when we move. You should. <laughs> I know everyone says that. <laughs> yeah but uh but i go through so we we moved into this house it's like beach cottage type thing and it was like kind of springish and uh days starting to get a little longer and stuff like that and and i could just walk down and go surf so i was doing that all the time and it was in those times where i was like i can't move away from here yeah like absolutely not there's no fucking way that i'm like i get to do i can walk and go surf and like and then come home and like be able to i don't have to and like it's just right there right you know and then what'll happen is i'll do that for months and then i'll go like i won't go surf for like maybe a month and then you're like oh six months later i haven't been in the i walk by it all the time yeah i haven't been in it you know yeah and it's hard and then i find my and then i find myself in situations that's where i'm at now and of course i'm out here and i'm looking at like you know you know between like 
you know, you and Jake or other people all the time, like just quality of life and all those things. And they look, and I'm like, Oh, I could do without it. I can do without it. Mm-hmm. I'm just constantly battling that thing of like, can I really do without it? You know? Yeah, it was definitely different, but I find, you know, you just, you're not going to recreate the ocean here, you know, yeah. or like certain aspects of California. Yeah. This isn't California. Unless Kelly Sw- Slater puts a wave pool out here. Yeah, right? That'd be sick. <laughs> That'd be tight. If you're listening to this, Kelly Slater. Yeah. <laughs> Need a wave pool in Tennessee. Um, But yeah, just going with that mindset of just this place is different. So just everything's going to be new, yeah. you know, and it's crazy so when I was fishing in the summertime, occasionally I would um, just throw on old sneakers and then just put, um, I was just using shorts, but I would just go wade in the, in the rivers. Yeah. And I was walking and it was probably only about waist deep, maybe getting towards chest and, and I was just walking and I can't see under me, Ugh. which is not an issue at all in the ocean. Right. When I'm surfing, you know, I could give a shit of what's yeah. underneath me and but I was so paranoid, uh-huh. and I was in like waist deep water, yeah, and yeah. every step was just like, "What's gonna be next?" Oh, yeah. You know, and it's yeah. just crazy, just to be put out of that environment, and how much has changed. Yeah. But I mean, I was out there, and I was fishing this creek, and then I I was walking back, and there was a deer drinking out of the creek. Yeah. And you know, it things like that I see all the time. Yeah. Um, I was out for work on this uh, this house, and I saw like six different deer a couple bucks Mm -hmm. you know um different animals it's it's pretty nice you know and you can get out outside of the city which is cool about this place is everything's so close together and then you can get outside of it within a half hour and you can be in in the country like yeah some space you know and get get on some roads and see farms and see um just forest Mm -hmm. it's pretty nice yeah, I do. I definitely like that um, dynamic. Like, obviously, proximity to the. I'm I'm such like a extrovert in that way that like I love being out and around people, things like that. So I that's one of the things I love about here is that like if you're in that kind of 15 minute zone, mm-hmm. kind of where it's like you guys are kind of in that area, maybe even less, but uh, like you could like pop down to downtown it's like right. one one street basically and you can find your way to downtown right and then it's like you can drive out though and it's like a completely non-city style neighborhood mm-hmm. uh which is like in san diego it's like everything's just so on top and it's just all you know mostly multiple dwelling units like you know apartments and condos and all that stuff yeah and then and even the neighborhoods are so on top of each other but it's a trip, like when we're always looking at places that you're like, oh my, like, okay, so we pay $2,300 for a one-bedroom beach bungalow, which is basically a converted garage. And you're like, what can we get out here for that? And you're like, 20 minutes outside of downtown? And you're like, oh, on three acres? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what the? I know, it's a different world. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's always in the back of our head. Come out, man. I know. This room. <laughs> uh, i envision myself coming out here and get one of those like rideable lawnmowers dude that's a thing out here dude i talked to so many people and they're like <laughs> yeah it's just like people like my uh my coworker has a a rideable uh, lawnmower yeah. he has five acres and yeah. he just cruises on that thing and dude, i'm telling you right now yeah. if i'm moving out here like that is i am not moving out here and not getting one of those yeah. so it's one of those where like i'm only moving somewhere that is gonna allow for that other than that, I am moving out here. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, so funny the other day, like um, we have a lot of maples and mm-hmm. oaks in this area and uh, we lost all our leaves and yeah. they're all over and someone's got to pick that up and yeah, that someone's me. Oh. And uh, I got everything. I cleaned out all the gutters and everything yeah. like that. And then we got this storm and everything was back in the gutters the next day and yeah. full on the lawn. It was like I did nothing. He's like, God damn. I know. That is, you know, that is something that like even you talking about that, I don't even think about that like at home. Like that's just not a, that's not a like thing. Yeah. Like, you know, we might get storms and it might like hit knock all the palm fronds off or something like that but the city comes by and eventually or someone comes by and does all that but like either, yeah. no one has big enough yards to like have to like really do anything with that right you know it's kind of funny yeah we had this crazy branch it was a, yeah. like a 20 foot branch that fell off the tree yeah. on our driveway from the last storm dang and uh we had a this year um after the tornado mm-hmm. we we had this crazy um wind front that basically was like the width of the state that came through and we didn't even know we were out in the backyard and um her mom gave a call like are you inside like this storm is coming and um so we went inside and like 15 minutes later the storm comes through and it probably lasted for half hour but it cut our power wow our power was out for four days no way yeah yeah and yeah there was like um like a tenth of the city like over a hundred thousand people lost power from this thing and it was a huge ordeal Dang. yeah right and Dude, it was some next level shit that happens out here like that like that tornado like that yeah. was something else man yeah tornadoes are no joke and it's funny i'm like i'm, I'm like such a wuss <laughs> you know being out like morgan doesn't she she grew up in it yeah you know so like this not that big of a deal and like a lot of people who've been here for a while um i'm getting used to it you know but they have that same idea towards earthquakes yeah you know and or like tsunamis yeah exactly i mean like it's funny when i talk to people out here who didn't grow up by the ocean and they're terrified of the ocean yeah like won't go in the ocean it's too cold or like they don't want to see you know the closest one is florida which is the gulf and it's crystal clear water so yeah. if you come out there you can't see what's underneath and nobody likes that you know and like is terrified and it's just such a non-issue you know and um yeah it's just different out out here they don't really care as much yeah it's true yeah it's a cool place man yeah really is dig it um before you wrap up i was gonna say is uh do you have any new music or anything working on planning Uh to put out at all or anything yeah, definitely. I recorded um, some stripped down stuff. It's going to be a, a record of about seven songs, mm-hmm. sort of like a long EP. A couple of them are some old wish tunes and then um, uh, some new stuff too. Nice. Just all mixed in. And um, I did it. Uh, I was with a buddy of mine and he's got this family farm in uh, Southern Virginia, mm-hmm. right on the North Carolina border. And I went out there last year. And spent about four days with him just, you know, hanging out. And um, we were foraging for chanterelle mushrooms. <laughs> and, you know, and he set me up in like the, it's basically like this um, cabin. that's mm-hmm. garage cabin. And I was upstairs and he rigged his mobile uh, tape machine oh, shit. Um, downstairs. And we just did it like that. And the first day we got rained out. Um, it has a tin roof. So yeah. everything was just, uh, you know. Yeah. 
there was too much rain coming through. I was say that I was actually in my head instantly just thinking, I was like, oh, I wonder if that would have been a cool, like a cool. We like, thought it would be like get like some audio of that. Yeah, but it was too much. Too much. Yeah, yeah. it was overwhelming the mics. Yeah, because uh, that was my first thing. I was yeah. like, all right, let's let's play a song and see yeah. if it's a cool atmosphere, you know. But it was like you couldn't even hear I me. I wonder if you would have uh, isolated the track or something, or or just recorded some of the rain, right? And then just later on bring it, bring some of that up in the mix yeah. or something on its own. That was definitely an idea, but yeah. with with the recording, we wanted to keep it as. Um, it was all the tape. Yeah. So we wanted to keep the, even the performances were, um, it was like one to two takes maybe. Yeah. Um, there was about one tune where I had to do a, a few takes, mm-hmm. but we had limited tape space. Oh yeah. So as we were getting, getting a few songs down, like we would have some songs and we'd have, you know, both takes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as we we're getting towards the end of it, it was like, all right, do you like this? Or do you want to do it over? Because we have to record over it. We don't have enough room. Right. And so it was like you had to really commit, yeah. you know, um, which I, I like, actually. I love, I love recording the tape. Yeah. Because of that. It just kind of, it's like this, a different approach. Yeah, it was cool. Um, yeah, he set me up with uh, two ribbons on the guitar mm-hmm. and then an SM7 on the vocal. And, and then we brought it back to Nashville, and he's got his own... Um, his name is Paul DeFiglia, um, and he's a phenomenal uh, engineer and um, bass player mm-hmm. in his own right. But um, he's got his own studio, and we brought in another guy, um, just a uh, his name's Smith Curry, and he's um, he's just uh, he's been in Nashville a long time, and he's played with everybody and just phenomenal pedal steel player. Mm-hmm. But he played uh, Dobro and pedal steel on the thing so the that's whole right. thing is just guitar and yeah a little bit of dobro but mostly just pedal steel that's dope yeah dang so i have that um it's gonna come out pretty soon yeah so do, do you already have all that like mixed and everything mixed and mastered oh yeah so you have it all done it's all done it's just ready to ready to be released shit yeah i'll probably be uh releasing it via email yeah <laughs> you know, have it on spotify and just email stuff yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take care of it for you yeah <laughs> And do a postcard release. <laughs> postcard release. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone get it, Corey. Send them your <laughs> Yeah, send me my send me your emails. Yeah. Or addresses and I'll send you the <laughs> a postcard link. Yeah. Uh like the C D baby that give you those cards. You yeah. <laughs> They'll do that instead. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Rad. So yeah, got that. Yeah. And um got a couple uh, you know, unrecorded things that yeah. I wanna lay down. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Excited to hear all that. Thanks. Yeah. But um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Gardening. Gardening. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Living off the land. Trying. Trying but, to figure this thing out. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's like I didn't, I didn't grow up with any of the, like my parents don't garden or yeah or fish or anything like that, and it's all stuff I'm getting into because. It's sort of in the same vein of, I feel like with our music genre, like this authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, of like, I'm not, it's just sort of organic, you know, mm-hmm. and um, kind of approach that same style with, with everything. And, it, and it's cool to be able to, to learn how to do it yourself. And I get that fulfillment with wood of like creating something out of nothing and, right. and to be able to do that with food. 
yeah you know taking a little seed and then yeah. making a salad out of it I mean, that's pretty wild when you think about it honestly like yeah. all that like so you're growing your own stuff and that you're going to eat with your own utensils on the table that you built yeah it's pretty fucking wild <laughs> feels good <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy that's rad yeah dang and then and the music you're, you can you could do that while listening to the music you could recreate you created on the tape machine yeah for sure that's fucking wild yeah how many people could say that not a lot i don't know if i'd be listening to myself yeah while eating dinner <laughs> i can listen yeah. while eating your dinner yeah. on your dinner table yeah for sure uh that's awesome well cool man yeah i appreciate you doing this yeah it was really good to see you yeah i'm stoked that you it's came like, by and we got to hang i know I'll be making my way out here. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Bring Steven and Aaron when you come back. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. You hear that, boys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Cool. We're going to wrap it. Oh, well, sounds good. All right. Oh, I'll go.